1: Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision.
0: Well, as we do on a Monday, we like to keep abreast of the political agenda ahead of us in the coming week. We like to check in with the Australian Christian Lobby and Martin Niles, the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, back with us once again. Martin, welcome back to 2020.
1: Good morning, Neil. Good to be back.
0: Hey, Martin, let's start with uh, issues in the national news. There's a furor that's brewing over men playing as women in women's sport with the debate reignited by the female Tasmanian Liberal Senator Claire Chandler. Uh, What's she been saying and what's the issue here?
1: Yeah, well, there's two things really that have created this in a general sense. Claire Chandler has decided to pick up the issue uh, and start to push back on some of the reforms that have been happening in different sporting codes in recent years, which are allowing men who have undergone um, a certain amount of hormone therapies and whatnot to transition to present as women uh, to play in women's sports. Now. Uh, I did some research a little while ago and uh, decided to look into just how many women's sporting competitions these days are being won by biological men. And it does seem that uh, it's a very easy way to start winning. If you are uh, an average male athlete and you transition to become a woman, all of a sudden that person tends to do exceedingly well in female sport. And of course, the question is, well, how is that fair? Uh, to women who have spent their lives committed to their sports and so on, and then there's an unfair advantage that comes in. But uh, not only that, uh, it, it's actually a question of safety. Um, you know, what happens, for example, when a sport like rugby says, uh, okay, we can have you know, a six foot five uh, man who is, uh, uh, you know, 30% heavier and stronger than the women on the field. Uh, come and play rugby. Uh, how is that going to end? Well, uh, new research, and as if we needed new research to make this conclusion, but World Rugby has actually uh, written to Rugby Australia to point out that their research uh, is showing that uh, uh, biological men who transition to become women are 30% heavier, stronger, up or more, uh, and, uh, and that similarly, there is a more than 30% chance Uh, increased chance of injury on the field for the the female players. Uh, And so they're advising against uh, these new policies. Uh, And Senator Claire Chandler is, thankfully, speaking up about it. I mean, it just reminds us that, um, you know, you can't actually change your sex. Um, Every chromosome in your body uh, has, uh, every cell in your body has chromosomes. And they're either XX or XY. And they profoundly um, affect your bone structure. They profoundly affect your physical uh, appearance and strength, um, not to mention uh, so many other aspects of your life. Uh, so I think this is sensible. I, I feel extremely bad for women uh, who are um, you know, uh, being erased from sport just about. And it's, uh, it's time we nip this in the bud uh, and stopped it continuing any further. So congratulations to Claire Chandler for raising it at a federal level. Uh, and um, and and I wish her well in getting some traction on the issue.
0: Well, it is a significant issue, and uh, significant to be a part of our conversation today. As I was saying in the introduction, we're going to enlarge this conversation beyond uh, our discussion today, Martin. And we're going to talk about feelings and those things that might be, uh, in some sense, here common sense or facts. But when you say. Men are stronger, heavier, and faster. That's not a we feel like we're stronger, heavier, and faster as men. That's just a biological fact. And so if you feel like you're a woman when you're actually born male... Uh, you're actually, uh, in some sense here, uh, not going along with the scientific nor common sense ways of looking at the possibilities of what could happen to women's sport. Uh, what are your thoughts here? Stronger, heavier and faster? These are biological facts.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose it's a reminder, isn't it, Neil, uh, as you're sort of hinting at in your introduction, uh, truth matters. Um and nobody denies the fact that there are people who experience gender dysphoria and that, that is, they, they, they invariably report that that is extremely distressing uh, and my heart goes out to those people and I wish nothing other than good treatment to be supplied to them. Uh, I'm not sure that good treatment is to uh, change their bodies. I think, I think it should be directed at first to change their minds. But anyway, it's still a desire that they receive good treatment and that uh, their situation be uh, resolved in the best possible way with the best possible professional help. But truth still matters. (laughs) And so you've got to bear that in mind. And other people suffer uh, when you deny the truth. And you do see other people suffer. I mean, there have been cases of wrestlers and things, women, you know, having fractured skulls and major injuries because they've gone up against biological male opponents. So, you know, you you do have to consider um, uh, the welfare of everybody. And to do that, the best way to do that is always in every case, and I say this with confidence, to consider the truth of the the situation. And the truth here is that uh, women are women and men are men when it comes to sports.
0: Martin, let's move on. Uh, Northern Territory heading to the polls this coming Saturday and uh, the ruling Labor Party, uh, they were very interesting by uh, conspicuous absence from a uh, pre-election Meet the Candidate forum that was held in the Northern Territory. What are your thoughts for Northern Territorians who are going to the polls on Saturday and uh, around some of the issues leading up to the election?
1: Yeah, this is probably important for people to know, I think, which is, uh, you know, uh, it was it was a forum that was put on and it was a family, uh, sort of a family values voter forum uh, in Darwin and many candidates from a range of parties were invited and ACL was the main organiser of that forum. Uh, the invitations went out, we had responses from, um, well, pretty much it, you know, every man and his dog. We had the Animal Justice Party, <laughs> speaking yep. of dogs, yep. uh, you know. Uh, we had, um, not that they're dogs, sorry, that could be taken wrongly, but referring to Animal Justice mm. Party. Uh, and also the Country Liberal Party and the Greens uh, and the Territory Alliance, uh, which is a new party that's been formed up there and is getting a fair bit of traction. But the one group that didn't, um, that didn't come along was the, 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 the Labor Party. They just completely um, uh, uh, pretended that the thing didn't exist, didn't, didn't respond, didn't come. And so uh, I think that's really important for people to note because this was a forum about protecting the family. It was a forum about um, Christian values. Uh, it was a forum about all the things that you know, really do matter in politics. And the Labor Party decided not only to show up and say they disagree, but simply not to come, not even bother. Uh, I think that's a terrible shame. Uh, and every other uh, group just about was there. Um, And it was a great night. But uh, evidently, Labor are not prioritising family values and they're not prioritising Christian values in the territory election that's coming up. Uh,
0: The thing to draw out here, I think, Martin, is the idea that this has become a trend. And uh, for the Labor Party not to turn up to a Meet the candidate pre-election forum, Uh, This is the sort of thing that we've been seeing now over many years, where there's been a non-response to pre-election surveys, uh, when there's a non-response to these sorts of gatherings. And uh, it seems to be the normal, the cold shoulder, the silent treatment, that maybe if we don't turn up and we don't say anything, nobody will question the ethics and the morality of so many of our policies. What are your thoughts here, the fact that this has become something of a significant trend for the Labor Party not to turn up and to and to talk about family issues?
1: Yeah, it is actually a trend. You're right, Neil, and it's been a trend all around the country. It's something we're starting to see more and more, and it is unique to them. I mean, the Greens are very happy to show up and they just wear their heart on their sleeve and they say, well, this is what I believe. Um, and uh, the Labor Party won't even come to give a defence... Um, or or to show that they have any credentials in this area. I wonder whether, uh, I think in some cases it truly is because um, they are so divided internally over all of the relevant issues, uh, the sorts of things we talk about on a Monday morning, that to put themselves on the record would cause a massive internal fight. Uh, And so they just are going down the line of, well, you know, we're going to shut up on this stuff. But of course, what that means is that the loudest voices in the party are ruling the day. And that's why you end up with, um, with, with, you know, probably the voices of the far left really making a very, very strong difference within the Labor Party on social issues these days. Whether it is transgender, you know, um, women in sport, whether it is gay conversion therapies, we're about to find out and some of the terrible things those laws can actually achieve, uh, whether it is um, euthanasia and, and things like that, you know, or, or, or parents' rights to raise their kids according to their moral values. You know, the Labor Party is deeply, deeply divided. and. I've spoken to Labour politicians who don't even believe parents should have the right to raise their children in accordance with their moral and religious values. So I think that it's those internal divisions that are playing out in the silent treatment. They're too afraid to put themselves on the record because they know when they go back to their party, uh, they could be in big, big trouble.
0: Uh, Just before we move on from this, because there's some more elections coming up this year, apart from the one that's on this Saturday in the Northern Territory, of course there is an election coming up in the ACT, and there's also an election coming up in the state of Queensland. Uh, No doubt there'll be more Meet the Candidate pre-election forums that the Australian Christian Lobby will run, but I'll get your thoughts on this uh, idea because... uh, just a little while back, I remember hearing of a church that ran their own pre-election forum, invited the local candidates in their own local electorate to come and address the people who were a part of their local church. And so you have candidates turning up to speak to, you know, 100, 200 people. That opportunity exists in some of the places that we're talking about today, say in the state of Queensland. What's your encouragement to churches in their local communities to uh, to engage with politicians around a pre-election forum like that any any thoughts martin
1: i think that's a fantastic idea neil and that's because um, uh, churches within a politician's electorate the, the politician immediately regards that as a significant cluster of constituents that they're very very keen to speak to now Uh, I know churches are wary about giving politicians a platform, you know, putting them up on a Sunday morning or something, but you don't have to do that. But what you should do, I think, is I think pastors should speak to their politicians, their local representatives. The politicians will be interested to speak to them because of the people in their church. And if a church was to invite a politician along, which does happen, you're right, and we often try and orchestrate that, to make sure that the churches are putting the invitation forward, politicians are are are, are very likely to accept that and very likely to be interested uh in that sort of thing because they are talking directly to a large number of constituents and it's important to note for a politician you know your average backbencher in a in a federal seat or a state seat somewhere they don't actually talk to very big crowds of people very often um you know a crowd of 20 in an election campaign is a pretty good crowd for a politician they they struggle um, to get into uh, venues to, to, to speak to larger groups. If you've got 100 people, man, that is an absolute you know whiz-banger of a crowd for a politician, yeah. uh, and they will be there. Uh, and so, if, and, and the best thing to do is get them all to come and to speak about the issues uh, from their perspective um, and, and put on a sort of, sort of event like that. So I would very much encourage that kind of engagement. I talk to politicians all the time. They're familiar with the churches in their electorate. They're interested in talking to them.
0: I like the idea too, of the church uh, putting aside particular political biases when they have that sort of gathering and uh, turning on the charm and the hospitality to welcome everyone from every different political flavor, so that each one has a chance to address the constituency. And of course, uh, then usually at the end of those, there's a Q and a session where people get to ask, you know some perhaps pointed questions about some of the issues and some of the party, platforms that governments and uh, oppositions are going to the polls on. So uh, it's uh, something worthy of considering. Hey, while we're talking upcoming elections, there's one coming up in Queensland. And uh, you may have thought that a Queensland government might have put Uh, ideas of conversion therapy on the back burner because it is a controversial issue but perhaps they don't think that it is. Uh, State election imminent in October in Queensland but Queensland's become the first state to ban conversion therapy. Uh, What are your thoughts here Martin?
1: Yeah this is a real shame. I mean it wasn't just ACL that was opposed to this legislation. The Queensland Law Society uh, was opposed to it. Um, you had uh, the Australian Medical Association uh, opposed to it. You even had the Coalition of Activist Lesbians uh, opposed to it. Uh, you had all sorts of groups opposed to this law. Um, doctors were very concerned because they were sitting there saying, well, hang on, if a boy comes in and they're you know, five years old and they're insisting that they're a girl, I'm a child psychologist, I am not even allowed to administer any kind of treatment, even talk therapy or anything else that might try to get to the heart of this matter before I affirm that little boy at five as a girl. And that's, that's just draconian law that is contrary to freedom and the best interests of the child. And the, the doctors came out and said, this is outrageous. Um, because, you know, of course, if the child comes in, what are you going to do as a child psychologist? You're going to look and see if there's any underlying conditions here. Is there a mania that's making the child, or is there a depression, uh, or is there an obsessive-compulsive issue, or is there autism? all these things are huge factors in gender dysphoria and you know affirming and transitioning is not always the right thing to do. So all these groups came out opposed to it. The Queensland government then stood down and said well all right, we're going to redraft this legislation and ACL and other groups can take credit for for making that happen. But sadly what they did was at very very short notice they've suddenly brought back a new bill on the agenda which was um, heavily watered down and we can praise God for that but nonetheless it's Still specifically targets the medical profession uh, and so this is a major major sh- change of weather in the treatment of gender dysphoria uh, uh, in the medical profession and, and the way that parents might be able to go and find treatment for their children in the medical profession that is good treatment. We know from uh, the, the, the studies that as much as 90%, nine zero, I mean, percent of children who experience gender dysphoria grow out of it when left alone. So the rush to affirm is very, very dangerous. But this legislation says you must rush to affirm. That's a real shame. Um, and, and and what's happening is that that legislation is, is, is first cab off the rank. We're gonna see other states now pushing uh, and the job is to try and either block those pieces of legislation or again, see how far we can water them down. The Australian Capital Territory is about to, uh, you know, come out of the blocks with something pretty nasty, uh, which would even see, you know, a pastor in a pulpit who uh, teaches traditional sexuality or Christian view of sexuality uh, at risk of going to the Human Rights Commission uh, or a parent uh, who doesn't affirm the the gender dysphoria of their child uh, being charged with criminal offences. So we really are living in, in, in pretty challenging days. And I think a lot of people are not aware of just how serious some of these moves are. And a lot of politicians are a bit scared to fight against it because they'll be accused of supporting torture and all these outrageous things. Of course, that's the power of that phrase, conversion therapy. But the legislation has nothing to do with that. We should just park it, put it to one side and talk about what the legislation actually says. So, you know, we praise God that we were able to water down the Queensland legislation. But but we trust that if there was a change of government in October, it looks like the LNP would be willing to re-examine that kind of thing. Uh, and maybe there's some uh, cause for optimism uh, there, and, um, and we'll see how we go on it.
0: Well, Martin, we have run out of time. There's so much more that we could cover if we were continuing our conversation, but uh, we'll save some of those thoughts and uh, follow through perhaps some of those other issues uh, later times in the week. But uh, Martin Niles is the Managing Director of the Australian Christian Lobby acl.org.au is the website for the Australian Christian Lobby. You'll find great resources. You'll find articles on the sorts of topics we talk about in this segment each Monday. acl.org.au and of course with uh, elections that are on their way, you can find resources. So for people in the Northern Territory, you'll be able to find the uh, NT Votes Website, part of what ACL is doing. Of course, there'll be all sorts of good election issues that will be on the ACL website with the Queensland election, with the ACT election coming later this year. Martin Niles, always so good getting your comments. Thank you so much for taking some time to share those with us today on 2020.
1: Thank you, Neil. Always my pleasure.